most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Hey, baby. Hello, Mrs. Jones. How are you? I'm, I had a fun day today. You did? Well, what? I especially liked, we met somebody from Tulsa who came up and said, I listen to your podcast and is thinking about doing the school. Yeah. Do you remember his name? Micah. Uh, Micah. Micah. And he was here with JJ, James, and Jordan. Look at you with all the names. Thank you. I don't think I met all of them. I only met two of them. Who, whoever met, was driving. You met Micah and Jordan. Yeah. And that was cool. And then I'm walking along the corridor and I meet somebody from Brazil and or Mexico. I can't remember which one. Uh, Mexico. She's a missionary to Mexico. Her name was Cherry. And she says, I listen to your podcast all the time. Such an encouragement. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. I mean, yeah. real life people. Come on. So that was an exciting little event for me today. That was very fun, wasn't it? Tell me about this week. We had, of course, a friend here this week that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Yes. And I got the proof copy of my new book in this week. Yes, you did. Tell us about your new book. The new book is a children's book. It's an illustrated book uh, and it's called A Boy Named Ben. I looked through the book and the illustrations were beautiful. Who was your incredible illustrator? I was my incredible illustrator. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a synopsis of A Boy Named Ben. Well, it's um, based on our friend Ben Farley, who went home to be with Jesus uh, about a year and a half ago now. And it's the story of a little boy who realizes that God is still speaking and that God wants to use him to heal others and to make other people's lives better and how he walks that out. Where did you get the idea for doing the book? Um, it Actually, I, I wasn't planning on doing a book. And then during worship, uh about a week after he died, I was just lying there doing worship and I heard there once was a boy named Ben. And I was like, yeah, there was. <laughs> and I cried. And then I heard it again and I was like, okay. And then the third time I was like, Lord, what are you doing? And he said, write it down. So I wrote it down and he gave me the like the rest of the book. So I got six lines sitting there on Sunday morning. And then the next morning as I was driving in the car, uh, I started hearing that voice again you know just like this thought like mid-story so i opened voice recorder and i just repeated everything i heard and when i went in i wrote it out and it's a book so and so how did you go from writing the book to illustrating the book well i literally that morning put together the two notes and was like uh wow add a sentence and this is a book you know so uh, like a children's book, you know. Right. And so um, I was sitting there and I was thinking, gosh, I know people that are great artists. Um, I guess I'll text a few people and see if they want to illustrate it for me. And the Lord said, uh, why don't you illustrate it? And I was like, well, um, the main reasons would be because I've never done that before. I don't draw cartoons and uh, that terrifies me. And uh, <laughs> so we had a little discussion about that. And so um, I basically said, well, Lord, I'll try and draw a cartoon version of Ben. And if I can do it, then I'll try and illustrate it myself. But if I can't do it, can I please ask somebody else to do it? And so he was like, of course. So I went and uh, I drew him that day and I liked what he looked like. So we took it from there and literally every page was a Lord what needs to be on this page because I'm, I have no idea how to do this. And, and be, he would give me a picture. And being the little nerd that I am, mm-hmm. I love that you did it all on your iPad. Did it all on my iPad. It was before you had the iPad Pro with yes. the Apple Pencil. Ugh, I can't imagine how much easier it would have been 
with the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil. Like it probably would have taken me a third or a quarter of the time. So you did it all on an iPad mini. iPad mini with a big, thick, uh, what are those things called? 53 pencil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the Procreate app. In the Pro, I love the Procreate app. It's, it's my favorite creative app. But I'm so proud of you because you'd never done anything like that before and you hadn't no. been using Procreate and no. you learned all about layers and this and that and the next thing. And all trial and error. <laughs> you d- I mean, you did an incredible job. I really think they're incredible and I'm not just saying that because I'm married to you. They, they are brilliant thank, children's illustrations. Thank you. I'm really pleased with the way it turned out and when we got the proof copy in, I was the weight of the paper and the cover and the feel of it is all gorgeous we just found a couple spelling mistakes that needed to be fixed and so i get the proof proof tomorrow of the supposedly fixed up perfect one so. right and you you made the the slide for path posting that to social media at yes. which point everyone wants to know where you can get copies yes but they're not available for sale yet they're not yet but they will be shortly but what we thought was we would put a page on alan and and uh, if you put alanaj.com slash Ben, and if you want to go check that out, it will let you know more information. And if you want to be notified when it becomes available to be purchased, um, you can also just put your email address in there and we will let you know. So we're super stoked. We really are. I, I, I can't wait to get it into the hands of parents. I think parents are going to have a great time reading it to their kids. It is really cute. I had a very strange experience this week teaching. You did? Yeah, well, I was teaching on joy. Yes. And I don't want to give too much about this away because I think in the next couple of episodes we'll, we'll talk about it because it was fascinating for me to teach on this because I learned a bunch of stuff I didn't know and was kind of really challenged by my own teaching, which is really the best kind of teaching. But it was one of the craziest weeks for us leading up to it. It was, if you'd listened to last week's episode, you would have heard about the plague that hit the Jones household. So yes. we got no sleep, no rest. All of our time was spent mopping and vomit. Brutal. And then I had to go in and teach a brand new series of teaching, which was my own idea. But I was probably at my weakest I've ever been as a teacher in terms of uh, feeling confident about my material, in terms of preparation, and yeah, in the middle of my weakness, the the Lord really showed up. And so that was just a weird experience for me to just go in and think, God, I don't even know if I've got enough material to get through an hour of this and end up speaking for two days. But the students said it was amazing, babe. So as much as you felt like you were winging it, well, that's my God point. totally backed you up. Yeah, the, I'm sure there's a verse about his power made perfect in our weakness. There's something about that yeah. somewhere, yeah. But anyway, that was joy. We'll we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Okay. Speaking of joy, our uh, daughter turns nine tomorrow. I can't even believe I have a nine-year-old tomorrow. I just can't believe it. She's so excited. You know, parents always say, oh, it goes so fast. You're like, yeah, yeah, it does. It goes so fast. It, that's that's an illogical statement. It, it goes does. at the speed of time. It it's been feels nine years. like it's going really fast. That's more accurate. Thank you, but Mr. Really, Logic Man. Does it feel like that? It does. It does. Dude, MJ's three and a half. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you just call me dude? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like, hello, our children are, they're practically ancient. Yeah, they're growing <laughs> up. So Abby gets her first tattoo tomorrow, isn't that the rule? Yeah. Ninth um, birthday. Eighth birthday was earrings. Ninth birthday tattoos. I love it. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to look great with the Lord's Supper on her back. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's going to stretch as she grows, though. We might want to go for something smaller. Mm. Yeah. You alluded to our friend earlier. I did. Our friend, David Campbell. Is here. Has flown all the way from England. Yes, he to has. To be here. Hi, David. I don't even remember the first time we met. 
I think you met AJ in 94, but mm-hmm. we'd heard about you. I'd heard about you, certainly, from John and Carol, because you and Mandy are really good friends with John and Carol. So I'd heard about the legend that is Dave Campbell before I ever met you. <laughs> the legend. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> tell our listeners about yourself. Where, where do you live? What do you do? That sort of stuff. Um, well, I, I live in near London, a city called St. Albans. And Alban was the first Christian martyr in Britain. So it's one of the oldest cities in, in England, but it was well over two and a half thousand years old. And I'm a Pentecostal minister there. And I minister to looking you know, over about 140 churches and 200 pastors. And uh, I spend my time with them, mostly. And forgive me for pointing out the blindly obvious, but you live in England, but you don't have a very English accent. No. no I'm one of these fortunate people who were born in Scotland and uh, was sent down as a missionary down south. <laughs> try and uh, Win w- the heathens. Win the heathen, that's the right yes. word. That's well, the right now that we have another Scotsman in the room, AJ insists on doing a Scottish accent and things that she thinks Ugh, aye. like that. And I would. She doesn't believe me that nobody talks like that. Oh, you just, I knew. Oh, the, the people do talk like that, but they're all English people on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can, can, can you say the the thing about the moonlight brick? The broad brick moonlight nicht say that you're And, can and you, what does any of that mean? <laughs> it's a beautiful moonlit evening this evening. If you can say that, you're all right to know. So that's, it's that's a broad brick. That's what it means. The moonlight nicht. Okay. Oh my gosh! There you go. <laughs> so you you started out life as a past a past, You started out life as an accountant, didn't you? I did. My, I was identical twin brother, and we both started off as accountants. And he diversified into computers, and I went off into the ministry. So, um, how does one go from looking after one church to looking after one hundred and forty churches? I often wonder how I was talked into that. <laughs> I loved my church and then, so, and then my leader said to me would you look after more and I was given I think initially 60 other churches so I pastored my church wait wait wait, wait, wait. You that's a from... huge jump <laughs> yeah, became, they ramped you up slowly yeah it's called a regional superintendent and um, usually they were full time and I, I didn't ever want to give up local church so I said if, if I can do that I can keep the local church I'll do it so they let me do that let me do two jobs and then we changed our structure and I was given 130 churches but we've planted 10 so there's 140 churches now so and so, growing and growing there's a few more on the way now you oversee 140 churches about 200 pastors you really are a pastor to pastor and a leader to leaders mm. how long have you been a, a leader a pastor well I've been a pastor just over 30 years but 36 38 years now goodness me wow I started really young, you know. <laughs> like four. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, say, I, I would be older, but I was sick a lot as a child. So I, I, I just, I've been doing it all my life, really. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I started young. And you helped lead the Elam Pentecostal churches, not just the 140 you oversee, but you're on the, the leadership team of the whole nation that oversees all the Elam Pentecostal churches. Yeah, I'm one of the national leaders, and uh, there's 11 of us. Elam are we are active in forty different nations, and um, we really take the Great Commission seriously. We go into all the world, so we're in forty different nations. We oversee that. That's amazing. Good night. And how come there's no Elam churches in in America? Well, fun enough, we don't really see it as a mission field. We think um, <laughs> we, we think the American church is quite strong and should do that. So 
we have relationship. We'd be most like the four square church in our okay. structure oh, and okay. our beliefs and so. But Elon's proper name is the Elon Four Square Gospel Alliance. And in fact, the, the guy who started Elon was George Jeffries. And when Amy Semper McPherson, I don't know if you know the history, but she disappeared for a little while. Yes, she did, yeah. And um, the elders at Angelus Temple asked George Jeffries to come and take over while they figured out, sorted it out. Yeah. But um, he was too busy having a revival in the UK, so he didn't come. But we were close. That's but Elon was 100 years old now. Wow. So, it's been a while. Well, yeah. tell me the difference between a Pentecostal and a Charismatic. I I think the Pentecostals take their roots right back to Azusa Street and times oh, okay. like that, really. Because Charismatics really came out of the 60s and 70s outpouring and would mainly have come out of the mainstream denominations. like the, it, For us, the Anglicans, the Baptists, the Methodists, they became Charismatics and... Um, that would be the main difference. We'd have that history of 100 years wow. of being around, really. Oh, that, of course right. you would. I okay. Hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. You, as well as being a leader of these churches, a leader of this movement, you also run River Camp. Mm. And tell us about River Camp, because you know my great affection for camping, but this sounds <laughs> like something... And by great affection, he means <laughs> he'd it's rather just, be in a hotel. Wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. But tell me about it and tell me how it started. Well, it started off really because a few of us realised that our it's really hard to get a family blasted by the Holy Spirit at the same time, really. And and to take your kids off school to go to the other Christian things wasn't working for us. So what we did, we said, wouldn't it be great if we could all go away for a weekend, a long weekend, and get your children ministered to and get everyone? So we, we, we just did it with two or three hundred people. In fact, we limited the number to three hundred and said, we'll run it like this 500. And I thought, if it's a total disaster, we'll only let our friends come, and then we don't have to apologise to anyone. <laughs> That's good thinking. And, but it was great. And we just had, it was just amazing. We just, um, I think we're in our 14th year now. We, we're averaging out now about 2,000 people, and we go for six days now. Wow. And um, it's, it's just a place for folks, folks that love the river, that love the Father's heart, and just... Um, we just want people to connect with God and be transformed, and that's what we do, really. That's our value, the Father's heart and uh, freedom in the Holy Spirit. And when does it happen this year, and where does it happen? It's always the last weekend in August, and we run from the Wednesday through to the Monday of the bank, in England, the bank holiday Monday. I think it's Labor Day over here. And, and people mm-hmm. literally camp out, and then you've got stuff on site for them to do? Well, we've got about 2,000 people, and about 1,400 or 1,500 people camp. And then probably... Up to not 800 people, because um, not everyone comes for the whole time, but the, they'd be in hotels. I I used to be in a tent, but I I feel now God's called me to look after the speakers, and so I stay in that's a hotel. A, that's probably smart. And that's a lot nicer, yeah. really. Yeah. It's great to have a bath or a shower or something. It's great. Those are nice things to have. Yeah. yeah, we have all those things at the camp, but it's nice to not have to queue outside waiting for one. And you've had some amazing <laughs> speakers in the 14 years that you've been... Yeah. You've been going. T- talk to us about some of the people you've had. Well, like friends of River Camp, John and Carlo Arnott, and they're sort of a, they're special friends to us, really. They come and, and we, we, if John's in the country, he just has an open invitation to come and doesn't yeah. need to be invited. He just, he's the father of what's been happening, really, with the father heart. And Heidi Baker is another one who comes. In fact, the Revival Alliance speakers would be ones who would just come. We've just built a relationship with Jesus culture now, and they're coming 
to be part of that. And so we've got Eric Johnson coming this year from Bethel in Reading. And um, next year, Sean Bokes is coming to do a prophetic time. So that's really amazing. Good. Yeah, or do you still amazing. have tickets open? Like, if our listeners in the UK want to come, is it, are there still tickets? Ah, oh, you can just turn up and we'll let you in, really. <laughs> okay. We'll take anybody's money. That's what it's down to. But our real heart is actually we, we break even and we, we take an offering every year and we give it away. We just love to give money away to people. And that's the, it's a real blessing, really. That, yeah, that sounds amazing, David. That really does. I'm thrilled to hear that in the UK, this. There's 2,000 hungry people in the presence of God, mm. albeit in the countryside, but I'll look over that for a second. <laughs> but it's amazing yeah. that you're pioneering that. One of the other things that you do on top of that is you run a leaders conference for, I guess, all your leaders. Yeah, well, I want to try and get reach everything because we have a... If the families come together, I'd like to do things for the leaders at a different time of the year. So our plan is to build a an annual leaders meeting. So Bill Johnson came and did our our last one, and we have about a 1,000 leaders come together. Um, we're talking to Bill Hybels to come the next one. So it's completely different to Bill Johnson. Wow. Right. And Brian Houston from Hell Songs, other ones that we're hoping to get at the moment, just to equip the body, because we, we're really looking for revival. I'm a bit of a revivalist. I, I love the move of the Holy Spirit. I love renewal, but we really need a revival. And I believe the next move of God's got souls attached to it, and so I'm really keen to see that happen. Okay, so here's a fun one for you. Um, who have been some of your heroes or inspirations? I mean, there's there's the one in the UK and one in Canada, really. I think, uh, be no surprise to you, really, John Arnott is my hero. I mm-hmm. think he's just amazing because, uh, not just because God used him in Toronto and it's something that affected the whole world, but, but I've got to know John and Carol away from the platform. Mm-hmm. And I think, my goodness, if ever there's somebody like Jesus, it's John. Oh, you know, I totally he's just agree. So like him, and it just doesn't. I don't. I've seen patient with people. I, I think um, he gives time to people that, that really they don't, they shouldn't have really. <laughs> and and, 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 it, and, and it, he just gives off himself, and he just doesn't take himself seriously. And he gets, it's just wonderful. He he is um, a real example to me. I love his preaching. He's so biblical the way he talks, and yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Uh, so he would be that. In the UK, by a man who's, who's got to be with the Lord recently, it's, um, called Wynne Lewis, and he, he mentored me. He, he was a, in our denomination that was our leader, but he took Kensington Temple from 500 to 5,000. He was our wow. first mega church, and he, um, he was just a great inspiration. So those two men, wow, pretty much it, really. I remember the first time a friend of mine, uh, Laura Woodley, met John, and she met him, and then I was talking to her afterwards, and she said, AJ, I felt like when I was looking in his eyes, I was just looking in the eyes of love. And she said, I think yeah. that must be what it's like to look at, at the face of Jesus. And I was like, yep, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. What brings you joy as a leader? I The, the greatest joy I get is somebody reaching their potential. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really, in a sense, I think leaders are there to equip the saints to do the work of service. Right. And when you see someone who maybe didn't believe in them, themselves or didn't know they were good at something, and I, I love it, particularly if people become better at something than I am. Mm-hmm. I just, I really love it if I find someone who's become really good at something. I think, wow, it's so good to see them fulfilled in doing something. So. A lot of my time is just making things possible for people to do things and to reach their potential. And I, 
I love it when somebody reaches their potential, and especially if it surprises them. They do say that behind every successful man is a surprise mother-in-law. <laughs> so, <clears throat> right? I think sometimes I look at people and I think sometimes their wife's surprised, they're surprised, and I think we don't know what we've got. Right. So a little boy with five loaves and two fish, he didn't know what he had until he started to give it away. Yeah. And we don't know what we've got until we give it away. And I like to provide an atmosphere that's conducive to people giving away what they've got so they realise how much they've really got. Mm-hmm. Would you also say that, I'm just thinking while you're saying that, you know, that the flip side of that is probably one of the hardest things as a leader is to watch people not actually meet their potential, like to walk away from what they actually could have walked towards and, and seen a fullness. In. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Totally heartbreaking. When you see people just throw their lives away and just for all sorts of strange reasons, you know, it's almost like they're seeking some sort of recognition for something they're not rather than receiving the commendation of the Father for what they are. Yeah. Why, why, why be what you're not when God's really pleased with what you are? And, right. And I guess I've seen a few people shipwreck their faith and people... You know, lose their marriages, lose their kids and stuff because of immorality. And you think, that's so sad. You didn't need to do that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What, what mm. would you say? I, I'm interested, you know, to be in your situation where I'm not saying you've seen everything, but you've seen a lot. You've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, the inside, the behind the scenes of, of leadership and Christian leaders. What, what would you say to emerging Christian leaders? You know, they're still... They're, they've got a call, they recognize that they're stepping out. What what would you say are the biggest mistakes you see leaders make early on in their career as they're stepping out to just lead? Well, I think one of the biggest things is the everyone seems to be out to impress somebody and, and they're worried what people are thinking. I think somebody said once, we wouldn't worry half as much about what people are thinking about us if they knew how seldom they did. Right. <laughs> and most people aren't watching you every moment of the day and thinking, are they doing this? Are you doing right? <clears throat> and really the only person that really worries is, what does Jesus think about me today? Right. right. Am I pleasing him? Because at the end of the day, that's the one that works really. So I think, I always say to young pastors, just be yourself. That'd be fine. And because and, and, and God's call, called you to be you. And, and if God wanted you to be somebody else, that's somebody else you keep thinking about. Don't you think God could have arranged that? Right. right. You don't think like the angel went to heaven and said, he's been born such and such, and the Lord went, oh no, there's supposed to be somebody else. Right. But you were meant to be who you are. You are the best you you could ever be. There's no one who could do you better than you. Right. And so just go and be the best you, and that will be enough. That'll be fine. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that you embody really, really well, as do John and Carol. In mm. fact, when I think about my my favorite speakers, the most influential people that I know, there are people who are comfortable in their own shoes. Yeah, It's so much easier that way, isn't it? And if you're a lazy person, trust me, that's the way to be. <laughs> I, I just think, how could people just spend all their life trying to live a lie and be something else? It's so much easier sure. just to be yourself. Yeah. And, that doesn't mean you excuse your weaknesses. It means you accept yourself the weaknesses. You work on them. And I, I I, actually quite like myself in a nice sort of way. You know, I, I've accepted who I am. And that was that was a turning the corner day for me. Yeah. And this is what I am. And it's not that great, but it's the best that I've got. But I'll be the best me. <laughs> and I think because I'm an identical twin, um, a lot of people don't know who I am. You know, a lot of people have called me the wrong name. But I've always known who I was. 
and I and I, I just want to be me, and I'm mm. happy being me. That's I don't want to really be somebody good. else. What are some of the things that you look for when you're picking leaders? You know, is there a is there a process that you go through in your thinking, and and what are some of the character attributes that you're looking for? I mean, obviously devotion to Christ, but what, what are some of the things that you are looking for, and what are some of the deal breakers for you? I look for transparency. Really, that's one of the biggest things. Is this person real? Yeah. Right. If you're transparent, then people can see. It's like somebody said, intimacy is into me. You see. And that's what, if someone's intimate with you, you can see into them. And and I look for that. I look for people who, who want to be real. Right. And I, I think if you're a leader, people will forgive you anything if they think you're genuine. If you, if you, if you love the people, they will almost cope with every other fault you've got. So long as they know you love them, you care for them, and you're not abusing them, but you're trying to do your best. So I look for who's genuine. And I, I have this little thing about, um, do you want prominence or do you want influence? Do you? Some people want position, right? And and they they, they need everyone to know. I did that. I did that. I did that. And they want the um, the commendation. They want the applause. And sometimes they'll take credit for things they didn't do because how you think of them is very important to them, right? And there's other people who just want influence. They think this needs to be done, and and if somebody else gets the credit for it, it didn't really matter. Right, because it's more important that it gets done. So I look for people who seek to have influence and not prominence. Right, and I'll promote those people. Wow, major deal breakers, dishonesty. Mm. I think when somebody lies in one area of their life, they'll probably lie in others. And um, I think everyone can make a mistake. Everyone makes two mistakes or three. Once you start seeing a trend, we have a character problem. So I think if somebody's dishonest. Um, they'll be dishonest about all sorts of areas. If they lie about money, they're probably lying to their wife. And so it's almost like it becomes, uh, it grows. It's like a weed. Right. You don't find one weed in a garden. Leave right. it long enough and you'll have a garden full of weeds. And, 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 and <laughs> things are like that. So if somebody's dishonest, it will come into other areas of their life. Yeah. You were telling the year two students the story about the Japanese thief. Yeah. Could you tell that story? Because I actually think I think there's so much life on that and it's it's got okay. it's got a great message. I don't know if it's a true story. I was told it's a true story, but if it's not, it should be. And uh it's a story <laughs> told of of a Japanese boy in the turn of last century, so that's the nineteen hundreds, and, and and his parents both died and he um was left on his own and he didn't have any family to look after him, so he ended up stealing food. And uh, I guess I guess stealing's wrong whenever, but if he'd been in our street, he wouldn't have had to steal food. We we would have fed him or brought him into our house, but he stole food. And he found out he was good at stealing. And he could break into people's houses and steal things. And uh, and then he, I guess like anybody else, once you, you, you keep bad company and you become bad company, he became such bad company that bad company was scared of him. Mm. Right. And he made his living breaking into people's houses. And one day, a little old lady on a Saturday night met him in the street and told him about Jesus. And he never heard the gospel before. And to hear about a God that loved him and accepted him just blew him away. And the Holy Spirit convicted him, and she led him to Christ, and he got saved. And, um, and then she sort of pointed up at him. And, you know, little old ladies can be quite scary. Mm. And so this <laughs> scary man, she just said, no, young man, you have to go to church tomorrow 
tomorrow. Promise me you'll go to church. I said, yeah, well, he said, promise me you will go to church tomorrow. You do know, you know what a church is like, don't you? And he'd been on the roof of churches, if you understand what I mean. Right. Probably taking lead away. And they said, yes, I know, <laughs> I know where there's a church. Yes, yes, yes. And so he went to church the next day and he found a church. And if I can give you a quick version of this, he's sitting there and he's very uncomfortable because he's a thief and he sees people. He actually saw a family coming in thinking, I recognize you. And they thought, oh, no, I've, I've been in your house probably when they weren't in. And um, he saw policemen arrive and other people, and he's sitting at the back. And like many visitors to church, he didn't know any of the songs. He knew nothing about it. Right. And so Prince starts saying, he could read, but he wasn't that great at it. And he's looking around, and um, it's an old-fashioned church with a steeple outside and stained glass windows. And in the olden days, they'd have stained glass windows that told stories, like maybe the parables of Jesus or something. And the minister would point to a different one every week and tell stories. That's how... People without Bibles learnt things. And this church had the Ten Commandments around the outside. And as he was um, sitting there just feeling uncomfortable, the sun shone through and on his face, and he, he felt the warmth of it. He turned, and I think you can already guess that one of the Ten Commandments was lit up as he turned and looked at it. And the one that was lit up said, Thou shalt not steal. I think, how did he feel? probably felt really bad but actually no he, he looked at that and said wow god says i'll never steal again because he hadn't heard of the ten commandments and he thought this is a promise from god this and he felt that god says it? no you won't steal and i think that when you become a christian you, ha- you still keep the ten commandments but instead of them being commandments they become ten promises like you won't commit adultery you won't because i'll give you a love for your spouse you won't steal Thou shalt not steal. You won't steal because I will be the Lord your provider. You won't use the name of the Lord in vain. Why? Because you love that name. And, and you can go through the whole Ten Commandments, one like that right. after another. And instead of being a commandment, it becomes a, like a promise to you. Yeah. I won't be doing that because I'm a child now. Yeah. And his commands have become promises. Oh, I love that. So good. When you were here at the Moore Conference, you told one of the most amazing stories when you were here at the Moore Conference, you told such an incredible story. And the only thing I remember was it was a sign and a wonder and it involved a paramedic. Do you know the story I'm talking about? I do, though. Can you tell that story? Because I loved it. Well, that paramedic was my daughter. Oh, so you're intimately acquainted with the story. Amy, and, and Amy was in her final training for, to be a, a paramedic. So she's on her last day. And in England, a paramedic drives an ambulance, but they're almost like a doctor. They're quite highly trained. And she had to be signed off by this chief paramedic officer in London. Ticked off, she did so many things and did it right. right. So it's a, it's a day when her partner isn't just another paramedic, but one of the top people in the, in the country, really. And she phoned me up and she said, Dad, I've just seen a miracle. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she'd been called out to a house in Hampstead, London. And a lady... And there had had an accident. Now, Hampstead, London is a place where you would not buy a house for less than three or four million pounds, right. so six million dollars. So right. it's rich people. But this, this lady was a Nigerian lady and her friend had come to stay and she'd fallen down the stairs and broken her leg. And when they got inside, this lady speaking in tongues very loudly over her, saying the devil's a liar, the devil's a liar. And, and, um, and, and 
when they get in, they found the lady hadn't just broken her leg. They had what they call an open fracture, which means oh. you've broke your leg and the bone is sticking out through the skin and nice. into the fresh air, which is really dangerous and it's extremely painful. And uh, so they rush in to help. But her, the lady of the house is shouting in tongues and, uh, and Amy's looking at the... The, her boss really saying, are you all right with this? And he says, it's a bit strange, isn't it? It's, and then he said, well, I know what this is. My dad does this. And um, <laughs> and so they, they get, they had to go out to the, the ambulance and they bring in a special splint thing, which they put around the leg and then it, they inflate it and it goes really hard. It doesn't fix the leg, it just stops it moving anymore. And they strap it to the other one and they put the lady on uh, a stretcher and took her to the ambulance and all the time that her host is shouting in tongues loudly and when they get to the ambulance Amy said to uh, her boss um, do you want to drive and I'll go in the back and he said yes please and so he gets in the front and he has to radio ahead and say I've got a lady with an open fracture we need to have uh, a theatre open immediately we need to have an anaesthetist we need everybody there and um, we're bringing this lady in and London is a pretty busy place. I know America may have a lot of cars, but you've, we've got a lot of cars and not a lot of space in London. <laughs> oh, it's and crazy. So they're, they're going with, with the, the ambulance, they have the, 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 the flashing red and blue lights going, the blue lights going, and the, the sirens going, and all the cars are getting out of the way. And they have to go right across London to the Royal Free Hospital. And um, when they get there, the... Uh, they're met by the staff. They've got the theatre ready, the whole theatre. Everybody's ready on standby. And this lady's still speaking in tongues all the way there. Mm. And uh, they have to say to her, you have to stay here because you're not family. You have to, you're not, you're not allowed past this point. And when they got inside, and you, some of you probably guessed what's happened next, but I'm still going to finish the story. Um, when, they, when they get inside and they, they all gathered round and they took the splint off, the lady's leg was totally healed. Wow. Like, totally healed. And like, so that means the bone wasn't sticking out the leg. But more than that, there was no scar where it had been sticking out her leg. And later <sighs> on, when they, they, they x-rayed her, they couldn't see a crack in the bone. I said, what's happened? You have to realise that actually in London, you can't just stick your lights on and, and go across London with your siren. You have to get permission to do that. You have to get all the traffic to move out the way. You get the police to help you. And this this senior paramedic in London's just done that. And, and he's saying to the doctors, I promise you, I promise you, she presented with this. She did this. She did this. She definitely had a, an open fracture. This is the way it was. But the thing that got me, I asked, I asked Amy, I said, so what did the doctor say? I know the doctor just looked at her and said, shrugged his shoulders and said, it happens. Wow. It happens. And ever so often they get somebody brought in who has a life-threatening condition who by the time they get to the hospital, God has healed them. Wow. And you think, wow, that was incredible. That Amazing. is such an encouraging story because we often think, and we've had people on the podcast, you know, we've had surprise on here. Yes. Talking about miracles and we tend to relegate that to either or that if you're if you're a cynical Christian, you think, well, God, of course God does that in the third world nations because he, they don't have. Medical. But they don't have. If exactly. you're just a cynical period, you're just like, well, they're uneducated. They don't. They, they were confused about the diagnosis. Yeah. But here is a senior paramedic whose job, reputation, everything on the line. Here is an ER doctor, mm. and yet both of them are like, yeah, well, that happens. We've seen that. It's great because it's funny that. Uh, the, the, sequel, the, the prequel to that was just before I'd been saying to my wife, 
I'd love to have a story that people didn't believe, you know, because I hear <laughs> stories that people don't believe and I think I'd love to have a story like that. And I, yeah. and we were saying to the students, I'm praying that you all have a story this week. Right. That people don't believe, you know, almost when people say it's too good to be true. Right. Yeah. I want to be able to say, actually, no, it's actually so good. It could only have been God. Right. And that story is not too good to be true. It's actually so good. It could only have been God. Yeah. I so either it. we're telling big black lies or that was a miracle. And it's not just too good to be true. It's so good. It could only have been God. As we wrap this up, share with our listeners three things that would help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. If, if you could leave them with three things, like guys, as somebody who's been in ministry 30 plus years, who has, what, you know, has, has given their life to raising other leaders, here's what I would encourage you to do. Just three things that you could practically do today. I think some of them are really just obvious things, like, you know, like, actually read your Bible. I right, mean, actually yeah. Actually read it. I mean, How about I that? Tricky. People say things like read the Bible, but actually people don't do it much, really. Right. And it, they say the Bible's the most bought uh, book in the world. I'm not sure it's the best read book in the world. So right. I can read it and actually enjoy it and let God speak to you and sort of fill yourself with that. But also... Find out where is it you usually hear from God. And I ask groups of pastors this. I say, when when's the last time God really, really spoke with you? When does it normally happen? And and I'd love to say it's when I'm preaching that most people have had. A, but, <laughs> but actually, it's very seldom during a sermon that people really hear from God a changing word. But a lot of people, it's maybe in a large worship gathering or it's listening to a music somewhere or looking at a sunset or looking at a seaside or looking... And I just would say, so when is, when's it God often speaks to you? Is there a pattern? And if there is, when is that next in your diary? Oh. Because oh, often really people say, I know when God normally speaks to me. I said, so do you have that in your diary? No, so you're not expecting God. You're not planning for it. Right. You can't make God speak, but you can make space for him to speak. So find out where it is and how it is he normally speaks to you and make, make space for that. And And... And I think one of the best things to keep you close to Jesus is witness to somebody every day. Because there's nothing like Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and lo, I'll be with you. Right. So if you really want to be aware of his presence, witness to somebody. And of course, that, that sort of lends to 3.A. Um, <laughs> it's to say that also that you need to spend, realize you're spending all your life in his presence and just just enjoy his presence. Yeah. David, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast and just sharing your wisdom and sharing your heart. And of course, thank you for impacting our school. I'm just wondering if you would mind praying for all of our listeners before we close out this evening. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Father, I thank you. You have such a wonderful plan for our lives. You have such destiny. And I just want to, I just want to speak to you as we're praying and just say, listen, your history does not determine your destiny. Your God holds your destiny. I pray, Father, you'd release destiny all over. Every one of us, I just pray for every listener that we might reach the destiny you've called us to, that you've placed us on this earth for a purpose. And then that purpose is all wrapped up in your love, that we might be a people who know your love and are set free by that love. But let us be so blessed that we become a blessing to others. 
Let us so know your love that we are able to shed your love abroad. Let us be so secure in you that we can shout your name from the rooftops because you're a great and wonderful God. So I just speak blessing over you as you listen, that God will bless you in everything you do. Every place you go today will be just a little bit different because the fragrance of Jesus is with you, that you will change the atmosphere of everywhere you go because you're taking the presence of Jesus with you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you to David for being here and for spending some time answering our questions and praying for everybody. We have the More Conference, or as I've written in my notes, the Or Conference coming up. Oh dear. <laughs> this or that. <laughs> <laughs> I was more thinking about Or as in refining for Or. Oh, but okay. no, it's a natural the, resource. <laughs> <laughs> it's the More Conference with Danny Silk and Chris McClarney. That's coming up at the end of May. Go to musthavemore.com for more info. Also, this week we are graduating year one and year two. Well, not this week. Well, next week. It feels like it's coming very soon. Uh, anyway. Babies in schools, they go fast. They go so fast. And then I'm like, where did you go? Why aren't you here? Anyway, it's been an amazing year and we're super stoked to graduate them. If you're a graduate of year one and you're thinking about year two, we would love to have you. So just go ahead and head over to schoolofsupernaturallife.org and uh, you can learn more about year two. And apply. And apply. We're out and about ministering in the next couple of weeks. We are out and about. I'm going to be at Covenant Life Worship this coming weekend doing a prophetic conference. That's in, and I'm going to butcher this name because nobody's actually told me how you pronounce it, but I think it's pronounced Chickamauga. Chickamauga. Chicka, well, there's no N. Chickamauga? Chickamauga. Chickamauga? Chickamauga. In Georgia. It sounds like uh, a word that MJ would make up. It sounds like someone was speaking in tongues when they named it. It kind of does. And then the following week, you're going to be doing the Pearl event in Nashville. It's true. It's a women's event on uh, April 30th in Nashville at the Omni Hotel. Oh, sweet. Yeah. All right. Next week. Can you believe it's going to be our 100th episode? No. What are we going to do? I don't know. We'll think of something clever. Okay. But join us next week when we do something clever for our 100th episode. <laughs> Have an incredible week. Bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. Sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being There's something here for everyone